Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> My goodness. Pastor Winston, thank you. Pastor Charles, and of course, Pastor Paul Burke. Hi, Ash. Hey, Judah Paul. What's up, buddy? Well, praise God. I'm thankful to be here. Um, when I spoke to Pastor Paul, and he said I could come and share a chapel service, I was excited. Um, I love the ministry of Adult and Teen Challenge. As Pastor Winston shared with you, um, it was, I'll never forget, it was February 21st, 2005. I entered into the doors of Long Island Teen Challenge after just a long run um, I came up in the 70s and the 80s, and so everything that the 80s had to offer, that was my indulgence. And I'm just grateful and thankful to God for a mother and a grandmother who never stopped praying for me. And they were persistent and consistent in their prayers. And it was 35 years before they began to see any fruit of their labor, and they still continued to pray for me. So I had my Lois and my Eunice, and thank God they've both gone on to be with the Lord, so they're at home now, um, fellowshipping with our Lord and our Savior. And then after five months of Long Island Teen Challenge, went to God's Mountain, um, which was a tremendous experience for me. Um, there were some things that God worked out. And I would say, and this is something, because I came into the ministry and I knew about Christ. Um, I had had an encounter with Christ, but there were some things in the first seven years of my walk with Christ that had me on a roller coaster. I was up, I was down, and I'd say the number one thing, and guys, I, I want you to grab a hold of this. The number one thing was a lack of accountability. I was not accountable to anyone, and there was a lack of discipleship. I was not being discipled by anyone. And so when I came through the doors of Teen Challenge, and we all know the drill, and they started telling me, well, if you got to go to the bathroom, you need to tell somebody. And if we're out, you need to go with somebody. And, of course, the thought is, you know, I'm a grown man. Why do I need somebody to go to the bathroom with me? And it's interesting because just the other day I was talking to a young man, one of my interns, and, and something came up. And so he looked at me and he asked me the question, what, you don't trust me? And I said, brother, this is not about trust. This is about accountability. Don't confuse the two. I'm the director of this, of this ministry. I've been serving in the ministry of Teen Challenge for 14 years now. And if I got a phone call and they said, brother Victor, we want you to take a urine, I would not be offended. And I wouldn't have a problem with it. I wouldn't look at it as them not trusting me. But it's just merely accountability. And so it's something that's important for all of us as we grow in relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And so on March 31st, 2006, I graduated from God's Mountain and didn't really know what I was going to do, what was supposed to happen, but I did know I wanted to give back a year. And that, that's a crazy concept, right? Like, like I could really give something to God who delivered me from so much, right? <laughs> but, but that was my thought process. And, you know, I had a really great experience in time with the Lord on God's mountain. And, and in my heart, I really wanted to stay there. And I was talking to my counselor, but there was no openings. Nothing happened. And um, just as I was sharing with Pastor Winston earlier, there was a mentor of mine on God's mountain that said, hey, Victor, listen, don't wait for the green light. Don't wait for God to give you a green light. Get things done. Start stepping out. And if it's not God's will, he will put up stop signs and red lights. And, and so made a call to Long Island Team Challenge and Pastor Willie Ramos invited me to come and do an internship at Long Island Team Challenge. And again, I thought I was going to be there for 12 months and I was going to continue with my life. And here we are, fast forward 15 years, and I am still here. Amen. <laughs> and so there might be somebody under the hearing of my voice who really needed to hear that. Because I've watched it. And for any of us who have been around Team Challenge for a while, Pastor Charles, I know you've seen... Pastor Winter, who, who, Josh, you've seen it happen where guys are in such a rush to leave. To do what? And there's some of you who are sitting here who are in a hurry to leave when God has ordained you to be here. And here's one thing that we all need to know. You might have thought that it was drugs and alcohol that got you here, but I'm here to tell you that there's a God who orchestrated you sitting in the seat that you're in right now. Because you could have gotten clean from drugs and alcohol by many different methods, in many different places, but you find yourself in a place that God has ordained to allow you the privilege and the opportunity to have an encounter with the risen God. So I guess I needed to hear that. Amen. And so if you would turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel and chapter 14. And we're going to read verses 16 through 20. And when you get there, please stand for the reading of the word of God. We stand in honor of the word of God. 1 Samuel chapter 14, verses 16 through 20. And thus declares the word of the living God. And the watchmen of Saul in Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude was dispersing here and there. And then Saul said to the people who were with him, count and see who has gone from us. And when they had counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. So Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of the God here. For the ark of God went at that time with the people of Israel. And now while Saul was talking to the priest, 
the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. And then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into battle. And behold, every Philistine sword was against his fellow. And there was very great confusion. Father, we're just so grateful and thankful. Lord, what an awesome privilege it is that we can sit under the hearing of the word of the living God. Father, and I would ask you as always, Lord, that you would set me aside and Lord, that you would speak to the hearts of your children. God, and I'm praying and I'm believing you to do something awesome and mighty this morning for your namesake. God, I'm believing that you will do what only you can do, Lord, which is to change the disposition of our hearts. I'm asking, God, that your word would so transform us by the power of your spirit that when we leave this building, we will not be the same as when we entered it. God, I'm thankful for all that you will do. And it is all in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that I ask these things. And all God's people said, and amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And the title of my thought this morning is, don't take matters into your own hands. Don't take matters into your own hands. And and so I'm going to challenge you a little bit this morning. And so when we look at this portion of scripture, I think it's important for us to know how we got to where we are. So if we rewind and we go to the beginning of the book of uh, 1 Samuel and chapter 14, there's something that we see. We see that Jonathan, Saul's son, Jonathan is, is active and Jonathan is doing something. And most of us know and we can believe and see through Scripture that Jonathan was a man who pursued righteousness. We know that he was a young man who was a friend of David's and he loved God. And he was a man who was dedicated and committed. Jonathan was loyal. He was loyal in the service to the kingdom, and he was also loyal in his service to his friends. And we know about the nation of Israel at that time that they were at battle. They were at war with the nation of the Philistines. And we also know some things about them when we can look back and go to um, David and Goliath and, and, and that the nation of Israel, there were times when in the face of their enemies, there was fear that gripped them because they looked at their enemies instead of looking at their God who was able to overcome and vanquish all that is before us. And, and so... Jonathan, there he is. He's with his armor bearer, and he's facing this garrison of the Philistines. And in what he says, he tells his armor bearer, hey, listen, we're going to stand up. And if they call us to them, then we know that the Lord has given them into our hands. But if they say we're coming to you, then we're just going to sit still. And so what we can know from that is Jonathan was a man that in spite of the circumstances that he faced, he believed God in his life. How many of us face hard times 
And I know what it is to be a student in the ministry. And sometimes there are things that are happening on the outside that you think that you need to take care of. Instead of the reality in knowing that God is more than able. Paul said that God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So, so God, if there is something that needs to be done, I, I, I've ministered to husbands who have children and wives while they're in the program. There's one brother that comes to my mind, um, and he came into the ministry of Teen Challenge with a wife and three children, and he was the breadwinner for the family, and he was wondering, how is this going to work? How? He had a house, he had a mortgage, he had car payments, had all of these things. How is this going to work with me being here for 12 to 13 months? What's going to happen to my family? And so we just encouraged him. Brother, you just need to stay and allow God to do a work. And so his wife got a job, and, and, and for those of us who have ever served, and you would know this, Pastor Charles, his wife wound up getting a job as a secretary in their church. And here's one thing that I can share with you. Unless you are pastoring a mega church, it, it, it's kind of like Teen Challenge. Like none, you, you see these staff that are here. None of us are here to get rich. And so his wife got this job, and he stayed, and we ministered to him, and at the end of 13 months, they hadn't missed one mortgage payment, one car payment, they had food on the table for the whole time that he was in, God showed himself to be faithful, because guys, ladies, we need to know that just as much as God desires us to be committed to him, God is committed to you. We serve a God who is committed to you. How much is God committed to me? He sent Jesus. Jesus Christ came as that substitutionary sacrifice to accomplish for me what I am incapable of of accomplishing for myself. And so there's Jonathan, and he's trusting and believing God in that moment. And of course, we know the story. Those who were in the garrison told them to come on up. And so he tells his armor bearer, okay, I'm going because God has given them into our hands and you follow me. And Jonathan approaches the garrison. We know God did what he said he would do. And then after, and this, this, this lets me know, and again, I just want to really encourage you that you never know what God is going to do through your obedience. Because he went and they slayed 20 guys. God gave those 20 Philistines into his hands. But then on the back end of that, we know and we look at the scripture and it says that God caused confusion in the camp. And then the Philistines began to turn their swords on each other. See, God made it such that 
the nation of Israel didn't even have to go into the camp to slay their enemy because it was a work that God was doing. And so you need to know that there is a work that God is doing not only in you, but for you. The enemy desires to stir up within you the passions of your flesh so that you will run and pursue them. But what you need to know is there is a God who is more than able, and he fights for you. And so that brings us to this place where now Saul and those who are with him, about 600 guys, they're with him. And now they're starting to hear the confusion. And when we look at the text, they're hearing their enemies and they're hearing, it's not the sound of war, but they're hearing the sound of confusion. And so as the text said, he went to the priest and the Ark of the Covenant was with them. And we know that at that time in the history of redemption, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. That is where we know on the Day of Atonement, when we go to Leviticus chapter 16, on that day, the high priest would go in to the tabernacle, and he would meet with God. And so there is the presence of God. And Saul is hearing the confusion. He calls the man of God, the priest, to come with the Ark of the Covenant. And as the circumstances increase, as he hears more and more turmoil, Saul makes a mistake. Instead of allowing the man of God to petition God to see what it is that God wanted him to do, he says, take your hand off of the ark. So in essence, what he's saying is, listen, I'm going to pay attention to what's happening around me rather than to pay attention and wait for what God desires to do. And we all have that thing in us. Honestly, we have the propensity. I have the propensity to want to do things my way. I've got to pray because I can be selfish. I can be self-centered. And it can be easy for me to look at things in the natural. And when I do that, I will miss the spiritual implications of what's happening right now. I have to be reminded that God is more than able. And he will do things far beyond anything that would even enter into my mouth or my mind. See, when we make fleshly decisions, 
from a fleshly perspective, we will get the fruit of that. Paul told us this, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another so that you are not to do whatever you want. I've got to be intentional in submitting and yielding my heart, my life, my decision-making process to the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And we all know, <laughs> we're all sitting here, and we all know, listen, the decisions that we make have very real consequences. Paul told us that whoever sows to please your flesh, what do I reap from the flesh? Destruction. But if I will sow in the spirit, we will reap eternal life. And brothers and sisters, here's one of the trickeries of the enemy. Because the immediate consequences of the decisions that we make might not be so radical, we might think things are okay. I, I was sitting and having a conversation with a young man and he was asking me about a pass to go home. And so I asked him the question. I said, is this a healthy place for you to go to? His response to me made me scratch my head. He said, in the long term, no, but in the short term, yes. <laughs> I said, brother, listen. If something is detrimental to me in the long term, come on. It can't be good for me in the short term. I can't sit down and take one drink of wine and say, I'm good. The short-term impact of that might be okay. I might be able to sit down at a restaurant and go and have a glass of wine and walk out of there and think that. That's not going to lead to anything. But the reality is I've opened up a door in the spiritual realm. And some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And so I've got to, I've got to stay away from, there was a counselor that I had at one point back in the day. And he made this statement. He said, listen, you need to stay out of here unless you have adult supervision. And some of you guys know what I'm talking about because you spend a lot of time in your mind. And you're not accountable to your thoughts. And the enemy starts playing with your thoughts. And then you start thinking, well, maybe I could be okay if I just... And whatever that is, remember what Solomon said. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the path thereof leads to destruction. Listen, 
Petition God. Talk to your mentors. Be willing to wait on God. Don't think. I'm sure you can agree with me on this, Pastor Charles. The more I grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the more I know I don't know. The older I get, listen, when I was 18, 19, 20, I thought I had all the answers. Now as I'm approaching 60, I know I have none of the answers, but I know where to find the answers. And the answer is found in the word of God. So what is patience? What does that mean? Because that can be a dirty word for some folks. Anytime you're anticipating something, you're waiting for something, you're anxious. We've got to learn to be patient, to be tolerant, to not get angry when things are not going my way. When we look at the text, we can see the manifestation of what will happen through impatience. What happens with Saul? Saul allows the situation to dictate his decision-making process instead of allowing the word of God to dictate. And we know that that happened previously when we rewind to chapter 13 and Saul is making sacrifice when he was not supposed to be making sacrifice. And so how do we do this thing? How, how do I restrain myself? How do I restrain my emotions? How do I restrain my flesh from dictating? Because, again, I, I know we can all understand, and I know that there was a point in the time in my life where I allowed my emotions to dictate my decision-making process, and, and it was never good. It was just never, never good, man. It led me to drug addiction, adultery, manipulation, all of that stuff. Because in that, it's all about self. And so I just want to share with you three quick points that we can use in order to combat and restrain ourselves from taking matters into our own hands. First, seek the counsel of the Lord. We can see from the text that for Saul, instead of waiting for God to answer, he went forward based on his own judgment. Somewhere in scripture I read that my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. They are much higher. See, in the plan and the purpose of God for your life, 
God definitely orchestrates situations for us to encounter, to learn to grow in faith and trust in him. And you find yourself right now, and I get it, man, like Pastor Winston said, I was in those seats, man. I was a student in the ministry. And there's all kinds of things that the enemy will fling at your face to distract and deter you from the plan and the purpose that God has ordained for your life. And that's all the more reason why I have to learn to sit before God and dig into God's word. Because this is the ultimate counsel for the life of every one of us. If you want to hear God speak, here you go. Spend time in the book. God will speak to you. And then it's also essential and important for us to know and understand why we're here. What, what, what am I doing? Again, some of you might think that you're here because you had a problem with drugs and alcohol. And that was just the setup that God used and allowed to come into your life to get you where he wanted you to be. Remember Gideon. When Gideon, when he encountered the angel, encountered him, he, he had no idea about what God wanted to do through his life. Here was this guy. He's in the wine press threshing wheat. And that's another teaching, but just, just so that you, you get an understanding, he was doing something in a place that wasn't designed for what it was to be done. But God knew. And when the circumstances of his situation he encountered, there's 100,000 guys that he's going to fight. And so here he is. He's got these 30,000 men. And he says, okay, well, I'll do this. And God says, yeah, that's too much. We need to do something about that. And we know the story. He whittles it down to 300 guys. And that was done. Guys, and it's the same thing that will happen in your life, that you are going to encounter some things that will seem impossible. But if you seek the counsel of the Lord, the Lord will reveal to you exactly what he's doing. And what he's doing is going to bring glory and honor to his name. And you won't be able to take any credit for it, but God will be glorified. That's the God we serve. Because I tried to do this thing on my own. And it didn't work, man. I fell on my face. Until I yielded and submitted my life to the king of glory. And allowed his word to reign and rule in my life. And man, listen, sometimes the struggle is real. And we know that. And sometimes it's hard. We know that. But in the end, if we will allow God to take us through the trial, allow him to take us through the hardship, God will vindicate himself in your life. You know, when you read the book, gentlemen and ladies, 
the one thing that we do know is at the end, we win. <laughs> so, so this is about the journey now. How are we going to journey? Because the destination is secure. And so will I keep myself in a position, in a place where I can learn to trust God for everything? And this is Teen Challenge. I know you all know Proverbs 3, 4, and 5. Yeah, that needs to be, it's easy to say those things. But the reality of living that out, the reality of living out Romans 8.28, these popular scriptures that, that we quote, that I know all of you can quote, but can we live them? Because when we walk them out, when we flesh them out, then that means that I am adhering to the counsel of the word of the living God. Secondly, we need to learn to wait on God. Do I have any anxious people in the house? Don't respond. <laughs> Waiting on God can be hard, right? Well, at least there's a couple of honest people. How many of us know, and for you students, here's one thing that I want to caution you, and this is this. Sometimes things can look right and not be right for you. The other thing that you really have to get an understanding and wrap your mind and embrace is to know the truth that your calling is not your sending. And what does that mean? Well, there's guys, and I'm sure, seated right here under the hearing of my voice, and God has spoken to you and called you to the vocation of ministry. Okay, that doesn't mean that you drop everything and then you go. Because there's a purpose for the ministry of Teen Challenge in your life. And Here's one thing that I always tell my guys. Teen Challenge is not a ministry that is going to cater to the exercising of your gifting. But what it will do is it's going to build character so that when God releases you into your calling and sends you out into your calling, you will be able to stand. We're all broken, man. Again, the more, the more that I journey in this thing, the more pitiful I know that I am. But I thank God that I serve a God of pity. We know Isaiah 40, 13, it's those who wait upon the Lord that shall renew their strength. And so when you find yourself in a place, and those of you who are subject to anxiety, when you find yourself in a place where you're getting anxious, here's the first thing that I want to share with you. Anxiety, what Jesus said, what Paul said, anxiety is sin. God commands us to be anxious for nothing. 
but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make your petitions known to God. And there's a promise on the back end of that, right? That the peace of God, which passes all understanding. So whatever you think, God's peace supersedes that. And he tells us that that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Because some of the anxiety that you experience, it's really seated in discontentment. Because there's something that you want to do, but it's not happening in your time. Hey, Pastor Winston, is my pass approved? Hey, Pastor Winston, did you get to my pass yet? Hey, Pastor Winston, is my pass approved? Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. Make things known to God. And then step back and allow God to work. And there might be some things that you petition him for. I know we don't like this, that he's going to say no. See, but our minds are so fixed, our hearts are so fixed that God is going to do what I say because I prayed that we can't even hear God saying no. But wait. Wait on God. Trust him. God's got this funny idea that he knows what's best for you because he made you. Trust God in the midst of it all. Lastly, in learning to wait, we need to learn to wait patiently. See, because we can wait, and we can wait with anxiety. We can wait impatiently. God, it's pacing back and forth. I just, I don't know. I need an answer right now. God, you got to do something right now. Isaiah put it well. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. Isaiah said, if you are willing and obedient. You shall eat of the good of the land, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So the obedience and the rebellion are talking about action. But the willingness and the refusal is talking about the disposition of my heart. It's like, Little Johnny, four-year-old Johnny, who's in church, and he's standing up on the pew, and his mother says, Johnny, sit down. And Johnny's just standing up doing his thing, and his mother looks at him and says, Johnny, sit down. Johnny's not paying her any attention. He's still standing up. And finally, the mother turns sharp. Johnny, sit down. And so Johnny sits down. 
and he looks at his mother and says, but I'm standing up in my heart. There's got to be a willingness. The obedience that God calls us to is not an obedience that's birthed out of duty. Went to church today, read my Bible today, prayed for 15 minutes today. I'm good. When Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. When John tells us by this we know the love of God, that his, we obey his commandments and they are not burdensome. This is something that's birthed out of a heart that desires to want to glorify God and do what is right and pleasing to him. It doesn't consider self. It's not if I do this, well, God will bless me. Listen, God doesn't bless you because of your activity. God blesses you because God is a blesser. Can we get a hold of that? That's the nature and the character of God to bless. It rains upon the just and the unjust. But the obedience that we yield and submit to him That should be birthed out of a heart, just like a child. You see that child? He does what he does in expression of his love for his mother. There's no, there's no contingencies. He just wants to let her know, I love you. I can remember sitting under the teaching. Some of you may know, um, Pastor Charles, I know you know Tommy Tenney. And I remember him sharing, and he was talking about the love of God and and the expression of God's love. And he said, you know, I was sitting, he was sitting in his den, and and his little seven-year-old daughter came in and sat on his lap and looked up in his face and said, Daddy, I love you. And so his, he said his immediate response was, okay, what does she want? And so he asked, oh, thank you, baby. So what do you want? And he said his daughter responded and said, I, I don't want anything, Daddy. I just wanted to come and let you know that I love you. And he said in that moment she could have asked for anything because that was so precious to him that his daughter just wanted to let him know that she loved him. There was nothing attached to it. And brothers and sisters, that's how we need to be with God. Just expressing our love in obedience to his word to allow God to see how much we love him. And so when God says wait or God says no, We stand in obedience to him so that our lives will reflect what God has ordained us for. To reveal him to a lost and a broken world. You know, that's the greatest revelation 
of God. That's when Jesus came to bring heaven to earth. Now we are called to reflect heaven to this lost and broken world. So when you go out into the marketplace and there are things that are happening and the world looks upon you and says, well, how do you... How do you act like that? And, and how can you not do certain things? I, I remember, you remember when we were working City Field. We were working at City Field. This was years ago. And in the irony of working at City Field, we were working for the kosher stand. In the irony of God. And so the seventh inning stretch comes. And the line is long. And then you also have the quorum of Jews that are there. And they start praying. And the owner of the company is looking because the line is long. But the men and the women who are working behind the counter, they've got huge smiles on their faces. And they're just enjoying what it is that they were called to do. And the owner of the stand, he spoke to me later. He said, I don't know how your people do that. He said, look, I saw the line. I know me. I would have been frustrated and ready to start throwing things. But your people were there with smiles on their faces. And I told them, man, that's Jesus. That's what Christ will do in a life. When you come to know the king of glory and what God has done in sending his son to be the propitiation for my sin so that I can approach the throne of God boldly seeking mercy from the creator of the universe who I know I have committed cosmic treason against, but because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, I can have audience with my creator. This is what it's all about. And this is why I know, man, I got to keep my hands out of everything. Because I know I can mess up a soup sandwich. But I serve a God. God is more than able. And he has done for me what I cannot. And allows me the privilege that I don't deserve to come to him, to have fellowship with him, and in knowing that through Jesus Christ, I have peace with him. I I don't know if you think about these things, but when I'm sitting and I just consider that there is a God, and and we know there's going to come a time, we don't know that day, But there's coming a time when he's coming back. And let me tell you, saints, it's not going to be pretty. See, we know Jesus and we read about Jesus, the lamb slain for the sins of the world. But when he comes back, he's coming back as the righteous judge. He's coming back to exact the penalty that the world and all of humanity has against 
the holy God. But through salvation in him, by his grace and by his tender loving mercies, God calls us his family. God has adopted us into his family. I don't know if that excites you, but man, that kind of stuff just excites me. It just because I know where I was. I can remember times when my mother would bring her Bible and tell me she wanted me to read her a portion of scripture and everything in my flesh wanted to take that Bible and throw it as far away from me as I can get it. But now today, it is the most near and dear thing that I possess, the word of the living God. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to conclude with this. Josh, you want to come and just... Play something softly. We need to come before the Lord and daily. Guys, I want to encourage you because you'll never have an opportunity like this in your life again. Clear your minds of what's happening out there. Keep your heart and your mind focused and stay present and in his presence. When it's time for prayer, engage God. Pour out your heart before him. I find it so funny that, and, and I know I'm guilty of this myself, that like, I, I believe in the omniscience of God, but yet there are times when I try to hide things from God. Be transparent before him. He already knows everything. And so just pour out your heart before him. When it's time to read your word, dig into the word of God. Pray and ask God to speak to you. And God has placed men of God over your life for this season to shepherd you, to walk you through the heartaches, through the tragedies. It, 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 it's amazing. I, I know, I, Pastor Winston, I, I'm sure you get this too. Sometimes I think guys forget that I was a student in the program. It's like, dude, I've been there. And so I can help you because we serve the same God. And he is the God of all mercies who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may comfort another in any affliction with the comfort that we have received from him. What you can get and what you need to understand is that there are some things that you've gone through, and it's not even about you going through it, but it's about God's intention to have you minister to someone else who is going through a similar thing.
And so embrace God in the midst of it all. This time of fellowship that you have. I was sharing with Cody on the way up. When guys leave the ministry of Teen Challenge, they say that's one of the first things that they miss. Is the constant fellowship. You guys are in a position in a place where God is, is teaching you the importance of fellowship and accountability on a level that once you leave here, you're going to have to be intentional in pursuit of that. Here, it's given to you. And so this is part of your training ground. And so I, I, I want to encourage you, don't think like, well, when I get into the real world, let me tell you, it doesn't get any realer than it is for you right now. This is the real world. Because the very things that are being imparted to you about prayer, about fasting, about the study of God's word, about fellowship with believers, about staying accountable. If you think that that is just for the ministry of Teen Challenge, when you get here, you're going to find your fault. But I can tell you, there's many people who wish that they could do what you do, take a year of their life just to engage with God and have no other responsibilities. And so come before him. God beckons us. Know that he is sovereign over all things. He is the creator of all things. And God has ordained and has a plan for each and every one of our lives. But in order for me to see the fulfillment of that, I've got to get to a place where First, when I'm encountered with things, I seek the counsel of the Lord. Second, I learn to wait upon the Lord. And lastly, I need to learn to wait patiently so that anxiety doesn't take me to a place of discontentment and I start to look for my own solutions in what God is doing in my life. I want to conclude with this scripture, and it's familiar to us. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth.